0: Amen, amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. Wonderful, wonderful to sing and praise God together. As we begin, let's open our Bibles to Psalm 139. Very famous and familiar psalm to many of us, talking about the ways that God has created us, His love and care for us. Psalm 139 We're going to read this together this morning, and we're going to see where God's going to be leading us. I already know. I wrote it, but Psalm 139 says this, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. God knows you. He created you. He designed you. He has a purpose for you. A mission for you. A desire for you to live in the power of His Spirit. And bring His presence to others If we will let Him lead, if we will let Him be God, what does it mean to let Him be God? What does that look like in your life for real? How is God God in your life? How would it look different if He was? We're exploring this year what it means to be a sacred presence in the world, that the presence of God is a powerful and special thing that even though God is everywhere all the time, we are not good at paying attention. and It feels like we run into Him by accident here and there, but when we do, we know it. We know when we have encountered the presence of God, it impacts us, it stops us, it makes us pay attention. And as followers of Jesus, God is inviting us to be a part of that for others, that His presence in our lives should make a difference to the people around us, that they should be able to experience who He is when they're with us. That's a huge and exciting and challenging and terrifying idea because it feels like a lot of responsibility too. I can't do that. I'm going to mess it up. My selfishness, my insecurities, my sin. I don't want people to think of Jesus when they see me all the time because I don't do a very good job of reflecting Him a lot of the time. But it's what we're called to do. To go into all the world and preach the gospel, to live the gospel, making disciples, showing and telling people who Jesus is and what he does in our lives. What is he doing in your life? And we're going to be exploring this all year. It's going to be amazing the places that God is going to be taking us, but this fall we've been looking specifically at the fruit of the Spirit, trying to get practical with this idea. How do we do this? What does it actually look like? And God has given us this list, these specific tools to accomplish this purpose, that this sacred presence isn't impossible, it's bringing His love into their life. It's, it's sharing joy. It's bringing peace. It's offering patience. It's bringing kindness. It's living goodness. It's following in faithfulness and showing gentleness. And finally, it's, it's having self-control. These are the things that we all need and that God wants us then to give To others that our lives should embody and and reveal that they can know the love and grace and acceptance and forgiveness of their Father just like we do. These fruits of the Spirit are so much more than just good behaviors, more than just ideals. They are the marks of salvation itself. They are the evidence of the work of the Spirit in our lives. These aren't optional behaviors. They are the very evidence of the work of God in your life. The ways that we can see and know that God is alive in us. And that we are being sanctified by His grace and power. Transformed into His image more and more. And in each one, we've seen the depth of what God is inviting us into that He wants us to understand. These are aspects of the very nature of God Himself that He wants to build in us, share with us, because we are meant to reflect Him, to bear His image. For our own enjoyment and benefit, following Him, living for Him is good, it's better. And then for the blessing of those around us that they can enjoy his presence too. It's been an exciting journey and it's been hugely challenging. And I hope you've been seeing this work itself out in your life, that you've seen the challenge and been able to live these things out for others, that the people around you at work, at home, wherever. Have experienced love and joy and peace and all the others through you. Who has seen that? Who has given who has God been giving you the opportunity to, to share these things with? Where is the evidence of the fruit? Do you know? Do you see? This morning, we're coming to the end of this list, and next week, we're going to wrap this up, and then it's Advent season already after that. Holy cow. We're going to wrap all this up with the reality that all of this lives in Jesus. That He is each of these things and He is all of these things. And we don't have to run through a checklist in every situation we are. We just have to follow Him. But we've come to the last of these fruits of the Spirit and certainly not the least. And again, Paul doesn't mean for this to be a conclusive list. There are other things that should be present in the life of the believer. Again, grace and generosity and sacrifice and hope. But the last word on this list that Paul has given to us is self-control. And it's again another fascinating one that he has included here. As with so many others on this list, it could be one that we maybe don't pay particularly close attention to. It's maybe a simple one, an easy one. Some of these words maybe evoke a deeper sense of excitement and understanding than this one. Other ones might seem a little more plain, easier. I mean, we talk about peace and that inspires these thoughts of walking with someone through incredible hardship or intense conflict and bringing a sense of calm and hope to them. Talk about joy and we are overwhelmed with the the happiness and freedom of God's grace and the salvation and restoration. And some of these other words are maybe a little easier to slip past without thinking too much about them. But as we've found, there is incredible depth and power in each and every one of these words. God has not included anything here that he does not mean for us to understand and embrace. And self-control is no different. There's something deep here that he wants us to see, that we need to see if we want to be able to do any of this. Because right off the bat, self-control makes us think, or at least makes me think. You're probably all way more sophisticated and mature and you already understand this. And So this is just for me this morning here. But my mind just immediately kind of goes to a feeling of being careful. In this list of the fruit of the Spirit, it ends with this self-control, a call to temperance, to, to, to being calm, being balanced, to being boring, wearing beige. I intentionally didn't wear khakis this morning. I knew I was going to say that. Don't draw attention. Just one small piece of cake, please. Just a little break. Just one episode this evening. Careful, quiet, unassuming. And some of that is very kind of true. There's an aspect of this calling us to responsibility and hard work and steadiness. But if that's all we see we are missing entirely what God is really calling us to with this word. Because if the fruits of the Spirit are aspects of God's nature, then we aren't seeing God as He is. If we are, all we see is quiet and careful, then we're not talking about God. The God who created the universe, who spoke existence into existence, Colors and light and sound and beauty and music and power and majesty. Stars and supernovas burning on a scale we can't imagine. Galaxies swirling and nebulas painting pictures of God's creative beauty on a cosmic scale. And then God creating us. Filled with passion and love, energy and power and excitement. Building and creating things, running and competing and exploring. What is self-control in light of creation? In light of God's nature, what does this word mean when all of that is just a taste of who God is? In Revelation 4, we read about the throne room of God. And he says, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with somebody sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. And whenever the creatures give glory to the one who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down on their faces and lay their crowns before him and worship him. In Ezekiel, he has a vision of God and he tells us, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal and in the fire what looked like living creatures. And the creatures were wild and there were wheels within wheels covered with eyes and it was all way too much for him to understand our God is glorious and majestic. Powerful and mighty and awe inspiring and creative and exciting and terrifying and holy. What is self control for those who follow that? Who are called to bear the image of that into the world? That's not beige, that's not quiet. That's not unassuming. That's not just one small piece of cake, thanks. So what are we talking about? Again, self-control does mean being careful to a certain extent, but it's so much more than that. In this context, in in the context of this list, and at the end of this list, it's not a call to be careful. It's a call to submit. It's not a call to be quiet and unassuming. It's a caution against our self. Self-control is not just moderation. It is control of our self. Because at the end of a list like this, our first and immediate instinct is now to try really hard to do all these things. We can't help it. We can't help ourselves. We want to do it, and we want to do it on our own. God has just given us this list of His characteristics, His nature, and our first instinct is just to try to copy Him ourselves. God wants me to love, and so I am going to try to love God wants me to be filled with joy and so I am going to try to be joyful. I'm going to do it. My strength, my ability, my discipline, my effort and before we've even begun, we've lost. Because these aren't the fruits of what God wants us to do. They are the fruits of the Spirit. And the Spirit is a person. Part of the Trinity, God Himself, and it's not about what we can do, it's about what He can do. And this call to self-control is in many ways the most important on this whole list because He is ending with the reminder of what He called us to in the first place. The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of our best efforts. His final word is so huge because it is the recognition that we can't do any of this ourselves. Our instinct is now to try super hard And to live these fruit of the Spirit on our own, but they aren't the fruit of us trying really hard. They are the fruit of the Spirit. They are what happens when God is present in our lives. When Jesus is alive in us, it's not our efforts, it's His presence changing and transforming us. And self-control is stopping ourselves from trying to take God's place all over again. From getting in the way of what He is doing In our lives, self control is living in God's strength, not our own. And it's all through Jesus' life. He is our example, and this is how He lived in the power of the Spirit. John 5, he says, Jesus gave them this answer Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. John 12, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Jesus himself didn't do any of this himself, so why on earth do we? He lived by the power of the Spirit and the leading of His Father. And that's what He calls us to as well. The fruit of the Spirit are gifts from Him. As He works Himself out in our life. Not things that we are meant to try really hard to do. And again, parts of self-control are some of the things we want to naturally dive to. Being responsible, being careful, not being crazy and living wildly. But if that's all it is, we have missed out on the true challenge that God has laid before us. That as Paul himself says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is self-control. It is submission of self that God lives in us and then all the rest flows from him, his presence in our lives. Jesus himself said, Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And this is what he's inviting us to understand because he lived it too. It's what we were created for. Life with God, filled with His Spirit, led and empowered and unleashed by Him, freed from sin and filled with joy and purpose and spreading love and peace and everything else everywhere we go. Self control is the end of this list and the beginning of understanding what God is inviting us into because it's putting ourself where it belongs isn't that exciting and the funny part is we are still going to leave here and immediately just try to try harder but God has given us another amazing gift we have his word we have his spirit and we have his church and again we don't walk this road alone we get to do it together Encouraging and challenging and reminding each other of who God is and what He is truly calling us to do. That you don't have to do it alone. He wants to work through you, and we can figure that out together. Sharing in the work, helping each other along, and seeing who He is more deeply in one another as we do. And this morning, We have the chance, even in this simple, fun way, to build into that journey together as we enjoy fellowship and relationship at the end of our service here. See the presence of God here in this place together. Fellowship is worship. And in fellowship, we experience the presence of God and the reminder that we are not alone. We were never meant to be. We get to do this together share in this together and bring the presence of God into the world around us together. Let's pray together this morning as we continue. Father God, we thank you for these powerful reminders. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the work of your spirit and this call and this reminder that we were never asked, never meant to do this on our own. We can't. But Father God, you want to be alive in us. Your spirit, Father, wants to bring these fruit out again for our own enjoyment. Life is better with you. But as that happens, God, it will just so naturally flow out to the people around us. They get to experience love and joy and peace and patience. Kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. They can see who you are through us as we follow you. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience and your forgiveness. And we pray, God, that you would protect us from that instinct to go now and try really hard. That we would instead be driven to submit really deeply. That we would trust that your spirit is enough that you are waking these things and bringing these things alive in us by your power, for your glory, and your purpose. Help us to submit. Help us to trust. Help us to follow as we were created to do in Jesus' name. Amen.